I've been selling my soul, working all day, overtime hours for bullshit pay so I could sit out here and waste my life away. Drag back home and drown my troubles away. It's a damn shame what the world's gotten to for people like me and people like you. Wish I could just wake up and it not be true, but it is. Oh, it is living in the new world with the old soul. They're living like kings east of Kingston, and they all want total control. Want to know what you think. Want to know what you do. And I know they, they don't. And they don't think you know, but I know that you do. And the dollar ain't shit. Cause it's taxed to no end, but they're living like kings east of Kingston. <laughs> Thanks very much, Ivan. Honestly, man. Thanks so much for opening up the show that way. Yeah. That's great. Mm. Welcome. Welcome to the construction life. Thank man. you for having me, Manny. No, this is gonna be good. It's it's not too early in the morning, but you got your crew all started and everybody's getting ready. Man, my day starts at four AM every day. Does the gear shift when the colors change? Uh the gear, no, not so much. Not so much. Our, uh, our our day shifts a little bit. We run long days, so yeah. they shorten up a little bit. We start a little later and, and come in a little a little earlier. But how long you been doing this now? Uh, I started in uh, two thousand six or two thousand seven, so uh, seventeen eighteen years. So that's a good chunk of time. Yeah, yeah. I was yeah. actually a motorcycle mechanic before I was an arborist. Really? Yeah. What was your favorite bike to work on? Uh, well, Harley's because it was so easy, right? <laughs> <laughs> a, you know, sledgehammer I'm not surprised that yeah. you're saying it's. Uh, we've had some jokes, I guess, where you can get some parts at Home Depot to fix a Harley, yeah, right? yeah, it just kind of fits right, right? Briggs but. and Stratton technology. <laughs> well, welcome, Ivan. Let me share the deets. We're going to talk about. Um, I guess we're going to talk about Mother Nature. Yeah, we're going to get out there and just talk some things. And then off mic, you were just uh, sharing that uh, you know quite a few a few people that have been on the show. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Great. But we met through Kim, uh, and 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 Kim's been, I, I he's an active active listener of the show, and he's always like, you got to get this guy, you got to get this guy. So we connected that way, and then we got talking, and here you are. So. Yeah, no, Kim's awesome, and I'm sure the best damn roofer is going to take that song and, uh, and he's going to do use something it with then, it. Uh, yeah, the Josh. King King King's the uh, east of Kingston. He'll uh, he'll run with that one for sure. <laughs> he should do something. He's been a busy guy, man, all yeah. over social, taking care of a bunch of stuff, which yeah. is all good. So I have a lot of respect for him. I love what he's doing. Uh, Ivan's here. Ivan Fredette. Yep. Yeah, Ivan Fredette from Safe Tree. Triple W Safe uh, Number to reach them is at two eight nine six five zero one seven seven five, and his email is info at safetree.ca. On IG, it's Safe Tree LTD, and then Facebook is Safe Tree uh, Professional Tree Care. Uh, I'm wearing a Jason Guest T-shirt today. Guest contracting up north there. Check out the TCL Link Tree for many great and exclusive offers from Black Ladder, Box Gobbler, Bunky Life, Zeps Gear, and Mud Mixer, and many more offers being added to the tree each week. And don't forget to check out our own TCL shop where you can get official TCL tees, hoodies, caps, espresso cups, and more. It's great being a TCL listener. Hey guys, the building show is coming up in Toronto, November 29th to December 1st. Do you want to go for free? Use the promo code TCL Expo and you'll get a free pass to go to the show. See you guys there. I'll be there. And uh, we're going to talk about just uh, taking care of things. Yeah. Outside. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. The, maybe the relationship between uh, uh, humans and trees and, and trees and construction, especially. What's uh, I know that um, we'll get started with 
it's a constant battle, I guess, for most GCs when they get on job sites that they have to have this conversation. Why is it that? Yeah, you know, so the problem we have, so we, we see it the other side. Um, we're dealing with it all the time. We're trying to protect the trees before the contractors go in. And, and we always got this battle back and forth, right? But the way I see it is, hey, if, if it wasn't a tree and it was a garage, then you wouldn't hit it. Right. Same thing. Um, so for us, it's, 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 Hey man, they've been here a lot longer than us and, and we need them more than they need us. And, uh, yeah, man, it's, it's just, uh, for, for safe tree, it's, it's finding the relationship between, uh, humans and trees. Right. And, um, and, and that, that balance, right. There's, there's obviously a safety issue sometimes, but, uh, man, we, uh, we need them and, and everybody feels better when they're around. I wonder that's the one thing about being a contractor. It doesn't matter which level of contracting that you're in, what trade person or what trade you're working. I think we all plant trees. Yeah. At yeah. some point in our early career, I mean, I've planted, I can't tell you, maybe a dozen or so trees. Yeah. And I've seen them and they grow and I've actually lost a couple too. We'll get into that. But yeah, I mean, I've got a fondness for trees. And, and then whenever I'm doing a job, the hoarding and protection, but I'm also conscious of how close we can get there. The rules regarding the city and what they allow us to do yeah. are, I guess... They're good for, um, I guess you need that distance for the bad contractors. Yeah. If you have a contractor that cares about the trees and the environment that they're working on, they're all constantly thinking about it. They're, they're worried about any kind of seals or any kind of machinery, anything that's happening around that tree. Because like you said, a tree, it breathes it all in. Yeah. So yeah. we have to be conscious of all that. Like it's nothing worse than me seeing a hardscaper using a quick, tuck, a quick cut right next to a tree. Yeah, and seeing yeah. that plume going right into the trunk, and you know, if if we do it right, we can go in um, before contractors and and prune. We can root prune. Um, we can excavate with uh, with what we call an air spade. So it's uh, air excavation, and uh, and we can prune the canopy too in preparation before people come in, right? But nobody knows that we do that. Um, we're they one of do the, the research. Like well, it, it, it blows my mind on how little we actually know about trees. You know, um, forestry is one of the oldest uh, occupations in North America, and it's still unregulated. You know, it's... Um, Why is it unregulated? I mean, with a, a country so big, with so many trees. Oh, man. it's Well, you know what? It, it actually, I find it actually works the opposite because we have such an abundance of trees. We take them for granted, right? Good point. It's uh, especially we're in Niagara and we're seeing a lot of new development in Niagara right now, like everywhere. Yeah. And they're just plowing down bush like it, it's, it's just destroying what we're all about. Right. Yeah. And uh, it, it saddens me because we can build a house in a forest and you only need to take out a very small footprint for that house. You know, some of the happiest people that I know live in or near forests, right? Or in a community with lots of trees. You see a lot of these subdivisions that they put in, they scrape all the topsoil off, put shit in, and then and then you can't grow anything, right? And then we're constantly battling uh, soil conditions, right? And, and soil is probably one of the top topics in, uh, in our industry right now. But you're battling soil conditions because of that scraping. And then I'm not going to fault specific trades, but it becomes garbage landfill at that point. Absolutely. And they think that by skimming 10 inches of topsoil of whatever crappy soil it is, solves the problem. We've actually reduced the value of the property as far as I'm concerned, because now you can't grow anything. 
That's the thing about it. Right? So if, if I was to ever buy a piece of land in a, in a subdivision that's going to be developed, I would tell them, don't touch my dirt. If I own this now, like, that you don't dirt take, belong yeah, to that you. dirt belongs to me. Well, that's now. the first thing they do. Right? I mean, we've got enriched soil here. Yeah. It's just when we let the powers be, they contaminate it. Oh, they, they crush it. It's com- soil compaction is probably our biggest issue. Soil compaction is 90% of the time our issue. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So what's your, how do you, okay, how would you want to approach this business, this industry? How should it be done? Because I love that you just said you can make a small footprint to build your structure. Mm-hmm. Because there's, I don't know about you, sure, leaves are turning right now. It's November. It's coming to the middle of November right now. We've seen the leaves all turn for the last month. And every weekend I've been raking right? Bushels and just filling them up and getting them all ready. It's not a chore in my eyes to me, right? Because I just, I respect the land, but I guess a lot of homeowners find it a chore. They just think, why is this menacing thing creating this mess, right? Well, you know, the best thing is it's not a chore if you don't do it at all. The best thing you could do for your soil is not rake up your leaves at all. Just leave it. Yeah. It yeah. becomes a compost. At that yeah. Point. It's like, uh, it's like dead salmon in the river, right? Yeah. The, the river needs it. The soil needs that, those nutrients. That was a little true. I, I don't, I don't rake on leaves on the grass. I yeah. rake on the walkways, right? Yeah. So I got to clear all that and get it all ready. But that was the first lesson I ever learned from an older gentleman just in the neighborhood. Wasn't even the industry. He, I, I would see his lawn every spring. Beautiful, luscious, yeah. green. Yeah. And I was like, what's your secret? He goes, I don't rake my leaves. Yeah. I leave the leaves there. Yeah, absolutely. And then the winter does its thing, fall does its thing, and then spring comes along, and all of a sudden he's got this perfect lawn. Yeah. And I'm like, it actually works. So if we if we as humans put as much care into trees as we did our grass, man, it would be it would be a real beautiful community. But then I'll grass, we get into another argument where they're pumping a lot of stuff into it, right? Yeah, well, I... Yeah. As humans, I think we need to get our head out of our grass. <laughs> In general. In general. It's, uh, yeah, you know, grass is, uh, grass is awful. And, and hey, I, uh, at home, I got a 10-acre lot, and there's probably six acres of it that's grass that, that I'm, you know, actively trying to get rid of. But um, I get it. You know, it's, it's nice. It's, it's easy to manicure. Um, but uh, if we see a customer with grass... We know the soil's compacted. Got it. Right? So. You already know where that client has come from and where they're going, what their mindset is about this topic. Yeah, not all. You know, um, when we show up at a customer's property and they have mulch down, right away we know that that they're trying to do something, right? So um, mulch is is probably the the least expensive, easiest thing you can do um, for your tree, for the health of your tree. Um, pruning and mulching by far are the two easiest and it's it's like an oil change on your car right it's preventative maintenance honestly uh the healthier your tree is the less dead wood you're going to have um the less it's going to fail um species specific obviously and then uh and yeah there, there and there's so many benefits to mulch too right you don't have to mow it uh it stops the mechanical damage the the whipper snippers around the bark um, it, uh, stops, uh, or even reverses soil compaction, dumps tons of nutrients into the ground. Um, it insulates, so it'll keep the soil warmer in the wintertime and cooler in the summertime and it'll, uh, it'll regulate moisture. So when the, when the soil's dry, it'll retain the moisture. And then when the soil is too wet, it'll actually wick it out. 
And then um, at Safetree, we've been, we're, we're actually, as far as we know, we're the first in the world to chemically profile different species of mulch. So what we've done is we've uh, we approached Vineland Research Center, okay, and uh, and we've taken eight species so far, and we've chemically profiled them. So now we know um, in those eight species we found a little over sixteen thousand natural chemicals. So we can take these chemicals and we can use them for either root development or growth or fighting off disease uh, all naturally with no um, exogenous chemicals. What are the top mulches that you're recommending to people? Is it tree-specific or area-specific? Yeah, so it's tree-specific. Um, I mean, we're, we're still in the development stage of it, so it's, it's important for me to kind of stay one step ahead. Um, but one thing I can say is um, the stuff you're buying at garden centers is garbage. What is it? Is it just fillers? Is so it- most of it, I would say probably... Probably about 75% of the garden centers where you buy mulch from is construction waste or mostly construction waste. So when you guys, when we take down a house, all that material goes into that and then they color it and then you put it back on your trees. So you got, well, you would know what's like, you got pressure treated lumber, you got glued timbers. Uh, we found drywall. material. Oh yeah. Drywall, insulation. We found everything in there. Um, and then the, the so-called natural stuff that you get is, um, is either uh, white pine, uh, cedar or hemlock, cause that's what's readily available at the sawmills. Yeah. Well, an abundance of it too. An abundance of it. Yeah. And, um, so with our research, we're actually, like I said, the first to kind of find this out chemically, uh, white pine is, is very boring. There's, there's not an abundance of any, uh, beneficial chemicals in there. Um, cedar is uh, rot resistant, so it doesn't break down, right? Um, there are some benefits of cedar. Uh, one of them would be, um, it, it, it seems to keep mosquitoes and ticks away. Critters, I was going to say. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, but it, there's not a lot of, n- um, nutritional value. And then, uh, hemlock, hemlock's an interesting one. Uh, so one, one I'll leak here is, uh, hemlock has a chemical in it that's, uh, advantageous for seed germination. So if you're trying to use mulch to keep weeds down, forget it, right? It's going to enhance it. It's going to absolutely, assist absolutely. Now, if you want to switch, wow, okay. if you want to switch from grass to wildflower, um, and you want to do like a wildflower yard, hemlock's your way to go, right? So it'll really boost uh, uh, what you need for uh, for growing wildflower. Why did you, Ivan, make the conscious decision to actually start studying? these little details here because were you skeptical like you were assuming something was going on and that's how you discovered it or well for years we've known that mulch is good okay but nobody really knows all the details of it right and we know that like the the other than the chemicals the nutrients and everything else we we knew um so we're prescribing this for our customers for their trees and then i got thinking i'm like well what are we prescribing what's in this, right? So I started doing a little research and, and poking around a little bit. And, and I actually just got myself in, in some trouble uh, trespassing on, on trying to find this information out because apparently some of them really don't want you to know. They don't and, want this information uh, out. Yeah, yeah, that it's, that it's construction waste, right? I had no clue. Yeah, most people don't. And then, uh, and then once I found out, I'm like, man, I can't, I can't put this shit on, on my customers' trees, right? So, uh, so then we started, we, we invested in a tub grinder 
So we reuse all the, when we cut a tree, we uh, regrind it into a, a finer mulch through the tub grinder and we sell it back to our customers. So then I started thinking, well, what are we selling back? Mm. Right. We know it's, we know it's natural. We know there's no construction waste in it, but you know, what if, what if I'm, what if I'm putting black walnut or, or um, willow or a different species on these trees? How is that going to affect the growth of the tree? Yeah. Right. Is there a chemical in there that, that, um, that another tree wouldn't like? And uh, so I approached Vineland Research Center and, and asked them to, you know, pull up this information because they have probably the largest database in the world and uh, nothing. There was uh, one scientist who, who I've actually had the pleasure of meeting and, and watching speak is uh, Dr. Glenn Percival. Okay. And he's done research on species-specific mulches, but from a side of um, the acylosilic acid in willow and its effect on um, triggering the defense mechanisms in trees, and then high sugar content uh, mulches like uh, sugar maple and, and cherry and, uh, and their root growth. And he was, he was using a, fr- a centrifuge, so basically... Pretty, um, pretty easy stuff. So we actually broke down and separated each molecule in, in the different species um, to chemically profile it. And, and yeah, man, we found some pretty wild stuff. Man, um, I got a world of questions to ask you. <laughs> I mean, what's the number one tree here in Canada? The number one tree, well, it's hard to say because, like, where we Depends are... Depends on, the, I guess, province-wise. Yeah, it's so... It's so diverse right like you get into the prairies and all you're getting is is poplars and aspen um you get up north and there's a lot of hemlock and and fir and then down here we're fortunate where we are um here but especially in niagara we've got the carolinian forest man we can grow almost anything right and um you know and and that's another thing about all this development is we're we're building right over top of some of the best growing soil in the world Right, our tender fruit in in Niagara, um, our farms are shrinking and our development is growing. Where the QEW is, like that should go right through my house. Like where I live, I'm on on top of the escarpment. One step up from clay is like is like porcelain. It's like I got to work really hard on on growing trees at my house. Wow, that's where the QEW should be. Right, we should be growing below the escarpment, but. You know, everybody that's wants a political to political argument. Where, yeah. Fight, like everyone just designed right now. Isn't there a, there's a new highway being proposed. Isn't there a 419 or something like that? They're, they're yeah, trying I'm not to sure. get up um, north Calden area or something like that. They're trying to pass another one, but it's going right through a bunch of land that is great. Yeah. Well, but that's the argument is we need more roads to travel, more people to go to certain subdivisions to go through that whole process of, there's so many places where you look at you look at some of these farms, and not that not that these farms aren't important, um, but the cash crop farms like West Lincoln and and you know, heading south down towards Windsor. There's so many cash crop farms where all they're growing is corn and beans. Mm-hmm. That's all they can grow, right? But like all of these all of these uh, places like Jordan and Vineland, for instance. I grew up in Jordan. And man, the soil there is is incredible, and you can grow peaches, plums, ne- anything. And um, I remember in my first house, I dug to put the cistern in, and the soil at six inches was about the exact same as at five feet. 
There was no layers. There was no transition. It was a sandy loam all the way down. But that's just natural. It was all natural. And that's what the, the, the glaciers made, right? It, was, it used to be the bottom of the lake. And then that top is being scraped out to start the process of building. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then, and then we're, and then we consider greenhouse. And again, not that greenhouses aren't important, but we consider greenhouses agriculture. And then we put a, we put a hoop house on it and it's concrete floor right over top of, of beautiful soil. Right. What's, what's the, um, what's the worst thing that we're doing to trees? doesn't matter what species it is. Cutting them down. Just cutting them down, right? Yeah, man. We're, we're taking down. Everybody, everybody keeps saying, well, plant trees, plant more trees, plant more trees. Well, the, the, the amount of trees that we're planting don't do what an old mature tree does, right? Uh, we live in Pelham, and there is such beautiful mature trees where we live. And, and people appreciate them there. That's, uh, that's one thing I love about that town. Um, and the same, same thing's happening in Niagara-on-the-Lake. And, and even Grimsby's starting to turn around, too. But, um, you know, the, the mature trees that we have is what we need to protect. Cutting down um, old growth is probably the worst thing that we're doing, in my eyes. What's the cycle on, I guess, poplar? Because we supply a lot to the construction industry regarding poplar, Douglas fir. Yeah. And what is it? Like a poplar tree gets harvested at what age? Um, I'm not sure. Know? That's more of like a, a forestry thing. Yeah. Um, we're, we're more, uh, as arborists in the arboriculture world, we're more urban uh, forests. But, um, I mean, poplar is honestly, it's, it's a very low-value tree. They grow fast. They grow and really they, quick. Yeah. yeah you know, um, our, our high-value trees are going to be our sugar maples, our oaks, um, walnut. You know, where, where we live in Lincoln, um, well, we're in Pelham, but... Lincoln area and Pelham area, that place was founded um, by the Pennsylvania Dutch, and they literally followed black walnut trees to find the best soil. Right? Because that's what a walnut tree does, right? Yeah, yeah. The nutrients of it, right? Yeah. Are you ever going to see, you, I mean, I'm sure we've seen all these images back in black and white photos. You've seen grown men standing right next to a cut down tree with a, a circle, like a diameter of what, like maybe 10 feet across or yeah. something, even bigger, right? Yeah. Are we ever going to see that again? We're probably uh, not. I don't think so. Probably not. Not like, not like you're describing in the, in, in those photos, you know, so you see, uh, you see the short stocky guys and, and, uh, next to these giant trees. Um, but I think the reason, one of the biggest reasons, Manny is, is, is paranoia, right? People, People get paranoid. They want to cut these trees down because they think it's a safety thing. So safety insurance, it's going to fall on my house. Yeah. Yeah. But a tree falls on your house because it's not being taken care of. It's not being pruned and extreme, it, it, extreme weather. It can be. It can be. But on the on the other hand, when they when they come down, they come down real slow. Right. And and hey, if if the construction guys are doing their job, then it should be good and tough to hold it up. Right. <laughs> but uh a good example would be uh, would be um, cavities, like large cavities in a tree. You see the raccoon living in it. Well, everybody thinks that it's it's a, it's a weak point in the tree. It actually could be the opposite. So when a tree is wounded, it grows reaction wood or callus wood. Okay, callus wood um, is is used to compartmentalize that wound. So close it off. Like keloid skin. Yeah, right? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, so 
but but that callus wood is significantly stronger than regular wood. So depending on where in the tree, uh, it could potentially be the strongest point of the tree. Now, again, that that is species specific, and it's different between coniferous and deciduous trees as well, right? So a coniferous tree will grow reaction wood on the compression side of the tree, where a deciduous will grow reaction wood on the tension side of the tree, right? So there's a lot of, there's a lot more biology that goes into, you know, um, trees than, than we even begin to consider, right? I saw that with, a, I've got a tree in the backyard, uh, I would say maybe a five-year-old maple. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, this big hole started forming on the bark. And I didn't know anything of it. And I, I lost another tree not too far from it. Um, it just rotted out. And I still don't understand why that happened. And eventually, it died. And it had to come down. And But then I was, I was thinking, okay, this one's going to die as well, too. So I don't know what was going on there. But I've been watching this thing over the years. And you're right. That, that opening has been gone been getting stronger it's been yeah. getting bulkier yeah and the tree is still thriving really well haven't done anything to it i just left it alone what should i really be doing to it then well it, it, it all depends on what is going on right if it's a wound then then you just let it do its thing right i mean it could be something like canker um it could be a, a disease something that's causing it um but honestly the best thing you can do is just support the vigor of the tree so this is mulching uh, fertilizing and get an arborist in and uh and do deep root fertilizing yeah so they um they do uh what we do is we inject um fertilizer into the soil uh at the roots right so with 200 how far down do you go it's about six to eight inches and uh, we're 200 PSI, and we blast it right in there. And then what you're doing as well at the same time is you're not just fertilizing, is you're aerating, Yeah. right? So aerating the lawn is different than aerating your roots. When we blast that liquid in there, we're loosening the soil up. We're introducing oxygen too. To create roots, nutrients in there. Yeah, roots need oxygen just as much as we do, uh, just as much as fish do, everything, right? Is it true that the canopy of a tree, if it hasn't been pruned is half the size of the root system or is it the other way around well again that's circumstantial so we've actually we've done some root exploring um with air spade and we've found that you know as a rule of thumb where what's up top is down below right it's it, it's it's relatively equal however it's not always the case um, we discovered once on a, on a red oak that there was hardly any roots and then it had one big giant root that was going right through to the neighbor's septic. It was following the water. Right. And okay. then, and that's where it was getting everything where everything else just didn't really grow very well. So it's going to put its energy where it needs to. Right. Food. So this is, so to come back to the construction side, there's this big myth about the tree is too close to my house. It's going to it's gonna ruin the foundation. This is all BS, right? Well, here's yes the thing. No. The tree is not going to cause the foundation issue. You have to have a foundation issue first. For it to find it. For it to find it, and then it'll definitely make it worse, right? So the roots are going to follow the water, right? So the, the roots aren't going to get into your septic tank unless your septic tank has an opening for the roots to get in. Attention contractors, welcome to the future of construction resource management with our platform. 
where you can easily buy, sell, or rent tools, equipment, and materials with fellow contractors. Say goodbye to wasted time and resources. Need that specialized equipment for a specific project or want to earn extra income from your underused resources? This platform has you covered. With its user-friendly interface and a vast network of trusted contractors, you'll find what you need or make your resources work for you seamlessly. Join the construction community that's changing the game. Visit them online at altlabersolutions.com and start optimizing your resources today. Alt Labor Solutions, where contractors connect and resources thrive. So I've got a sunburst locust mm-hmm. that I purposely planted. Yep. About 12 feet, maybe 11 feet away from the actual house. Yep. It was planted when it had maybe about a two-inch bark, right? Trunk. Mm-hmm. It's got about a 14 now. Thing grows nice. Mm. It's been fed. Yeah, they're great trees. And it's probably, yeah, about a 14-inch right now, right? And it's growing really nice. The canopy's above the roof line now, right? So now I have to just protect the yeast troughs because of fall and it starts to clog it up. Yeah. But it's just routine. That's all yeah, it is, absolutely. right? I'm not concerned because I actually did some work in the basement. And this is a house that's old enough that it has its downspouts connected to the weepers underneath the house that yeah. go to the front, right? Which they don't do that anymore, right? But I'm not concerned of the root system. The only stupid thing that I did was I ran irrigation around that root system. And eventually as it grew and grew, it started pinching the irrigation system. Right. Which I was like, okay, now I discovered exactly what's going on. Because right. one, one spring, the irrigation wasn't working. And then I started realizing, you know, the tree's looking beautiful. It's wonderful. It's great. And then I started realizing, hang on a sec. This tree's been getting bigger and bigger. The roots have been getting bigger and bigger. And it probably was compressing the irrigation lines. Yeah. And, and a lot of the problem we have in our industry is just poor planning. Yeah. Right. And, and just in like construction, you got to think of what's going to happen in the future. But, you know, for us, when we think trees, we're thinking as far out as, as possible. Right. I mean, you plant a tree now, you're going to see the benefits in a decade. Right. So when you're planting a tree, don't plant it underneath the hydro lines. No. You know, like we see, we, we get this every single day, right? And then, um, and then people are going, well, well, why does hydro come and, and destroy my tree? Well, you know, there's, there's, the, there's the balance between humans and, and trees, right? Uh, we, I'm a utility arborist as well, so I do, I trim for, for our local uh, hydro companies. The importance of, of keeping the lights on at 3 o'clock in the morning are are huge when it's minus 30 out yeah. right so that's important as well but if we don't plant them right underneath the hydro lines then should we i mean toronto's famous for this right so you you see this butchering going on because they'll come in and they'll make it safe mm-hmm. but they're actually damaging the tree to a point where it's going to eventually have to be cut down completely well yes and no uh, again it's circumstantial so we we try and do the best that we can uh, as arborists to trim trees around hydro. It's not easy. It's not easy. And um, we can mitigate it. If it's done properly, we can allow these trees to grow for a long time. So um, there's one tree in particular. You may not be familiar with, with this one, but the people who live in Niagara on Merrittville Highway, um, real close to Merrittville Speedway, uh, there is a large bur oak tree on the side of the road. Um, it's massive, and the lines run right through the middle of it, and it's been trimmed so it's it's 
hollow, yeah. right? And the canopy goes up and above it and it's beautiful. Um, if we do it properly, then we can definitely have both. We can have a healthy tree and we can have a safe community. Is right? it being done properly? Not always. Okay. Not always. But um, the good thing is, is that at the end of the day, trees are renewable. So if we do have to cut them down underneath the line, we can plant new ones, right? It's not doing it irresponsibly. Again, we still have to find this balance. We do have to remove trees. Um, we do have to remove trees that, that might be a threat. Um, but as long as we are being responsible, responsible in only removing them when we need to and replacing them so that the next generation and the generations after that can enjoy them. So what happens when, because you get this a lot from tightly knit urban homes having these massive trees and then they're too close and you start seeing this growth that just overtakes uh, a retaining wall or it overtakes a certain section of it and then they start getting worried about it. So their solution is just get rid of it completely. But that tree is what, like if you're familiar with Toronto, can you imagine going down Palmerston, which has got a tree canopy for like a long chunk of that street, right? Which is actually, it's very beautiful. Because it's, it, it's picturesque. You walk in there and you see this canopy, right? Yeah. And if you started getting rid of all of these just because of what's happening at the base of it for the homeowner, what's going to really happen at that point? You, you, what are they going to do? Just park another tree right there and wait the 100 years that it's going to take for that tree to get to what the tree was already there? Yeah, well, exactly. You literally have to wait 100 years, yeah. right? So um, planning, again, this is the importance of planning when we're doing something, when we're, when we're building, when we're getting into construction stage of an area, considering what's going to happen in 50 to a hundred years, right? It's, it, it, it's just looking as far out as possible. And if, if we don't do this now, then our kids, kids are going to be like, they're, they're, they're not going to enjoy anything. Are we going back to, and I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure I know this answer based on what you've said earlier. Subdivision happens. Boulevard happens. You've got that standard tree being parked in there, whether, whether it's a, a maple or what have you, right? They just pop it in there, two anchors, maybe a little bit of a critter protection at the very base there, and move on to the next one. Mm -hmm. But then what happens is if you pay attention to the neighborhood, three, four years, that tree is dead. A large chunk of them are dead. Yeah, and well, then yeah. they just die, and all of a sudden the X comes along, and then they chop it down, and they just put the exact same tree, and then the same process happens again. Absolutely. What's going on? It's the soil. Usually okay. now, <laughs> so there's there's so many things to consider. What we actually find, um, just as much as soil issues, is, and I'm not trying to discredit landscapers at all. I have a lot of friends who are really good landscapers, but a lot of landscapers have this idea of when they plant a tree, they have all kinds of ideas. I've, I've seen <laughs> lots, but um, there's, there's two things that happen. There's many things, but two main things that we see when people plant trees, they're planting them in the baskets. So they dig the hole. They just plug the tree in, in, in the wire basket and they backfill and they walk away. Okay. Okay. So what that causes is now, now there's, I'm sure I'm going to get lots of feedback on this, but what happens is 
those roots can't go out straight out. They start to turn. They start to turn. And in 20 years you get girdling roots. So this is very common in Norway maples. They planted Norway maples for a long time. And at the bottom of the tree, you'll see a flare. So if the, if the trunk goes straight down into the ground, it's either been backfilled or chances are it has a girdling root. And that's usually the cause of girdling root. So it, it basically chokes itself out. The other thing we find is when they plant, they do this like volcano of mulch around the tree. You, you've seen it. Yeah. They've got this big yeah. pile of mulch. So The bad mulch too. The bad mulch too, usually. Yeah. So what happens there is, so if we, if we kind of compare it on the construction side, so um, that root flare, that root flare is your transition between root bark and trunk bark. Okay. Okay. We, uh, we'll call it like a, like a chicken skin. It looks like the, the skin yeah, on a chicken's exactly. foot. Yeah, okay. So that's the transition. So the trunk or the root bark is meant to have moisture and the trunk bark is not. So if we compare it to an old barn, when you drive by an old barn, the, the stone foundation, right, is meant to have moisture against it. The, the boards are 100 years old, but right at the bottom of the boards, they're always rotted out, yep. right, because they're sitting in moisture. The same thing's happen, happening to the tree. So that moisture sitting up against the bark that is not meant to have moisture against it constantly rots it out, and it girdles the tree. So... The problem is, is the one or two year warranty that the landscapers put on the tree, it takes four or five years that. for that to happen. Can you salvage it if you start seeing those? You got to get it right away. You got to get it right away. Right? Usually when we see the effects of like the tip dieback and everything happening from, from a berry root collar, um, it, it, it's usually too late. Not always, but um, it's really important to see that flare at the bottom of the tree. So the best thing is to get it out of the basket, cut the wire mesh away, remove the burlap. Well, the burlap will decompose, right? Well, no, you want to get the burlap. You want to get the burlap bare off. root, and Just then get rid and of then it. you and then you pull them. You pull the roots out a little bit, so because they're all going to be turned, right, from being in the in the basket and in the burlap. You just pull them out, and then uh, another another problem we see is is people um, auger holes, and it glazes the soil. So now you've got this hard crust that the that the roots can't penetrate, right? So all you got to do is take your shovel and, and score, score the edge of the hole, and it gives it a, um, somewhere to go. Uh, the other thing is um, mycorrhizae. You can put mycorrhizae in the bottom of the hole, so it's, it's, a, it's a fungus, right? And that'll allow the roots to, to get more um, nutrients. There's, there's a lot more to it, but basically um, it, it's, it's a symbiotic relationship between the roots and, and the soil, and if we picture uh, a root as a finger, the the mycorrhizae will give it more of a surface area okay. um, to gather more more nutrients and all the stuff that it needs, right? So let's let's talk roots because the amount of times that you've got contractors, deck builders, or doing additions, and the root shows up, yeah, right. And what's the worst thing that we can do? Just take the spade shovel and just cut it clean? Yeah, well, you don't want to tear them. I mean, ideally, call an arborist. We air spade and we prune the roots. We can prune roots the same as we can prune a canopy. Really? Yeah. Absolutely. So there's a technique attached to it. A hundred percent. So it's 100%. not it's not the spade, just jab it, no, guillotine it, gone. 
That's a, like that's yeah, and that's what we've seen happen all the time, right? Yeah. But I like companies like Techno Metal Post that are conscious of it. As soon as they discover it, they'll try to go around it. Yeah. So then the root can actually grow around it or yeah. and go past it. So and you don't even need to go around it. Most of the time, as long as it's not too big of a root, we can prune it. We can prune it back, right? And and that'll that'll direct the energy somewhere else in the tree. But you're not okay. So when you when you say big enough, like how big of a root are we talking about that? It's, it's, Depends. it's hard to say. Yeah. It's hard to say. Um, usually, you know, if you, if you get into something like, you know, two, three inches or, or bigger, you're going to start doing some damage. Um, chances are that won't kill the tree. The real big roots, you know, you're talking six, eight inches. You're doing some serious damage now. So feeding trees over the year, any special formula or is it just mother nature water? So feeding trees. So when we're talking nutrients and water, it's not really food. So the food is photosynthesis. The leaves make the food, okay. right? So what we're getting from the soil is the building blocks for the tree, right? Um, so it, it needs these minerals and everything and pulled up. So if we're, if we're, um, We'll call it feeding. So if we're feeding the tree via uh, fertilizer or mulch, the best time for fertilizer would be probably spring and spring and fall or just spring. Cooler temps, right? Well, you want to get it when it's, when, it's, um, when it's absorbing these things. So in the spring, it's absorbing these, these building blocks to, to start growing. And in the fall time, it's doing the same to go in before it goes into dormancy, yeah. right? Um, but for mulching, mulching is actually better in the fall time than it is in the spring because the mulch, um, overwinters. So the mulch actually turns into a better product. If you put it down the fall overwintering, and then it's, it's a much better product in the spring and the tree can start absorbing that instantly. And then start growing again. Yeah. Everybody mulches in the spring, but I'm, I'm going. That's almost like a marketing thing because you start seeing everybody doing marketing it's time to get out there. The weather's yeah. gotten better. It's like pick this up and start putting your plants, your color, your perennial, all that stuff, right? That's just kind of thing. But why isn't the marketing machine telling us this? Well, because it's you don't see the effects of tree health for a long time. It's not it's not immediate gratification, right? So um, everything trees is delayed gratification, mm -hmm. right? It's like starting a business. It's like going to the gym, <laughs> right? People want to see things. People want to see money coming in right away. People want to see their muscles right away. Um, with, with trees, it's, it's even longer, right? So it's a, it's a hard sell. But if, if, we, if we do it now, then again, we're doing things for the next, next generation, right? And I'm a big believer in... in you know, servitude, right? We, we're here to improve. We're here to, to grow and improve. So if we're, if we're doing everything for us now and being greedy, then the next generation is going to suffer uh, immensely. I agree. Right. So I, I got another question for you about yeah. trees, right? I'm just, I think it's a lilac. A lilac, yeah. It's, it's, got, it's got the blooming, right? Every yep. uh, June-ish mm -hmm. it blooms. For whatever reason, it was parked in a retaining bed right next to a shed. Uh, the shed is rotting out because of that tree growing now. But right next to that tree, it, it's inside of a, I would say, two foot by eight foot long bed. 
I'm watching this tree grow and it's thriving. It's not going into the shed just yet. And there's no way that it's going into the concrete. Mm -hmm. So it's got to be going down, Mm -hmm. but it keeps growing. And is it, (laughs) is it eventually, is it eventually going to start to suffer because it doesn't have, because do not like, don't roots go topically. Like they just at a certain point. Yeah. Or does it just recondition itself to go lower to keep on finding where the nutrients are? Well, there, there won't be oxygen very deep. So okay. this, I hear this a lot and people talk about it with a taproot, right? Well, it's got this taproot. Well, taproots aren't really what most people think. They don't go very deep because they lack oxygen, right? There's no, there's not enough um, there to sustain it. So yeah, they go out. So to answer your question about the lilac, it's like, it's like um, a fish in a fish tank, right? It's only going to be able to get as big as its surrounding. Right. And in Toronto, you see this, they put, they plant the locust trees in these little tiny squares in the concrete. They usually end up dying. And then, you know, um, so, so yeah, they will only be able to grow to the area they have and, and, and basically what's, what's in that area. Right. So if I were to break open that area there where there's concrete or what have you, am I going to start seeing the roots turning around or am I going to see like almost as if it's a, it's a tree or a shrub that's actually been in a, uh, a basket of some sort for too long. Yeah, exactly. You'll see them all kind of in, in one area. And then it's like wherever the water's going, that's where you see all the real hairy roots. And that, that'll be the big cluster of them because they're, they're getting that. Um, and you know, when it drops its leaves and everything, it's, it's still replenishing that soil a little bit. So it's, it's always getting a little bit of those building blocks um, probably not enough to, to sustain it as it gets bigger, but it'll continue growing until it, it uses up what basically whatever it can. Is the flowering a good signal that the tree is still healthy? That whole process? Yeah, I mean, um, if it's it's flowering a lot, then then yeah, for sure. Okay. But if you if you kind of um, if you were to keep a diary, not that you would, but if you were to keep a diary or or take pictures, you would probably notice that it flowers less and less. It's actually flowering more and more. Yeah, which is really weird to me. Well, it, it's it's getting what it what it needs. Okay, right. So, so it's finding its nutrients somehow, right? Absolutely. But absolutely. it's also growing into the shed now, like it's pushing part of the roof line. Yeah, yeah. You know, maybe uh, maybe on top or underneath that shed is is some some old dirt that hasn't been touched in a long time. Could right? be because it's only a pad. Yeah. Right. So it's only a pad. So maybe it is actually going right underneath yeah. there. Or if it's stone underneath, there could be a lot of water sitting under there. Right. Interesting. Okay. So, it, you know, there, there's, there's so many different scenarios. Well, it's, you bring up the good point because that's what homeowners, I guess, that are not educating themselves. Their first thought is that I want the beauty of the tree close to my home because it looks great and it's kind of nice to have that in my backyard, but I don't want it too close to my home that it's either going to fall down or go into the system underneath. Yeah. Right. But that's not what the tree's going to do. Not necessarily. So a lot of, a lot of the reasons that a tree comes over um, not all certainly, but most of the reasons the tree comes over is because something we've done to it, right? Um, what we're seeing right now a lot of in in our area at least we've had a lot of windstorms yeah. lately, so we've seen a lot of um you know spruce trees uproot and, and just trees uproot in general, and there's this big panic, you know, like my trees are gonna fall over. Well, if we strengthen the root system, aerating. Aerating, uh, fertilizing, mulching, especially, 
knowing what we know now, um, some of the mulches that we're using, um, we can strengthen that root system. We can make them bigger. We can make them stronger. And that's basically, that's the foundation of your, of your, of your tree. Right. So, you know, if, if you guys, uh, when you're building a house, if you build a shitty foundation, then your, your house is not going to last. Right. And that's why we take old homes with fieldstone foundations, lift them up, take that out and, and put concrete in. Right. Yeah. So it, it, it's the same thing. You got to use, you got to use the proper mortar in, in your bricks. I, I love, I honestly do love Listen, I'm not an environmentalist. I mean, yeah. I, I, I'm on both sides of the fence. I respect nature and I respect urban construction and growing. I, I, I love both sides. But I do love when Mother Nature fights us. They win. Always. They, like, I, I love seeing people's homes and I see roots or the, the base of a trunk just lifting, t- ripping apart a slab of concrete, right? And I'm like going or growing around. Like, I love seeing yeah. this tree growing over a, a fence line of some sort. I love seeing that because you know who's actually in charge here yeah. at that point. And obviously it's getting what it needs to get and it continues to grow and thrive. And you should be aware of that. So, I mean, when we're building and homeowners are asking for that addition to get even further, but we don't want to leave that tree or we don't want to, yeah, we don't want to keep that tree next to our house. There's a way to find a balance for both. Yeah, usually, usually, you know, there's uh, there's a lot of people that, you know, so the concrete aggregates and construction industry is always evolving with an ever-changing industry it's crucial to stay up to date on the latest technology and techniques come to the canadian concrete expo to keep your skills sharp and upgrade your knowledge to meet the needs of today's market the canadian concrete expo offers over 40 conference sessions certification courses stage presentations and live large equipment demos all in one convenient location february 14th and 15th at the International Center in Toronto. If you haven't looked it up yet, go to the CanadianConcreteExpo.com and sign up for the newsletter to get special show offers direct to your inbox. The topic of additions is great because this comes <laughs> up a lot, right? People have us in, they want... We want the space, get rid of the tree. Exactly, right? Yeah. And it's like, well, what do you need the space for? Most of the time, it's it's just a, a status yeah. thing. Um, a lot of people legitimately do need a lot of space. I've got three kids myself, and and I wish I had a lot more of it. Um, but, you know, a lot of the time, you can adjust to have the tree as well, right? And, and again, it all comes down to planning, right? If we, if we plan properly, we can have both. If we plan properly, that tree does not need to lift the concrete, right? If you have a good concrete guy... Chances are, if he does it right, chances are the tree won't lift the concrete, right? It's not, I, I guess it's, again, it's all circumstantial, but there's barriers we can put up, right? So root barriers, so it doesn't go into those areas. You can put them around your house. We can excavate and, and put root barriers, barriers in. Barriers made out of what? Out of- so there's there's a couple different types, but basically it's, it's just like, um, it's just like a, a tarp that goes in the ground, Right. And it stops the roots from penetrating through and, and going into your foundation. It would just actually just make a left or a right and just Absolutely. go around it? Yeah. Yeah. I want to ask you about, um, I love this, man. I love what you do. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just because these are conversations that we never have with homeowners. And when you try to start this dialogue with them, glaze look over their eyes and they just want to get to the sub-zero. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, And it just really frustrates me because... 
me personally, for some weird reason, last winter, I had so much joy watching this squirrel rip apart the very top of a juniper that I planted years ago, which was like that little basic yeah. Home Depot thing, maybe four feet tall. The thing is like 15 feet tall now. Yep. And I'm watching this squirrel just having its fun at the very top there. I don't know if the squirrel was trying to build a house or build an addition or a deck or something like that, but it was just ripping it apart. I'm just looking at him going, okay, it doesn't bother me. And yep. now the, the juniper is growing again and it's rebuilding itself. So I'm fascinated by that. And the thing is, I guess homeowners would have looked at that going, chop it down. I don't want the squirrel doing that thing. Yeah. It brings me to the topic of tree houses. Mm-hmm. Like I remember early in my career, I started doing a job in Bloor West Village and the homeowners had a massive cedar in the back. Massive. This had to have been 50, 60 years old. And they wanted to do something for their new kids. Like the, the kids were three, four years old at the most, right? And I said, why don't we build the treehouse in the corner there? But I won't attach it to the cedar and I won't connect it to the cedar. I'm going to make it as if the house has just been built next to it years ago. And mm. it looks like the tree. And that's exactly what I did. Yeah. I built a crooked house that looked like a tree house that was embedded in it. Cool. And it was beautiful. And yeah. then the cedar just kept on growing. And when I was conscious of putting the four posts I was really conscious about digging down. And of course I found roots, but I was very conscious of how I did all that with the concrete. And this is before helical piles. That tree house is still standing to this day. That cedar is still standing to this day. And they were both built right next to each other. So, I mean, I know every parent wants a tree house because their kids ask for it. And when they become teenagers, they can smoke reefer in there as well. So that's totally a place of goodness. Exactly. Right. So it's like, how do we navigate those sales to these clients explaining to them that if we put the care into the tree i can give you the tree house that you really want and they both look like they're growing at the same time well so here's the thing what i use for our clients is if you go to somebody's house and they have no trees in their backyard and it's just concrete and stone how does that make you feel Boring. You go into somebody's house, a heritage home, or or not even a heritage home, uh, a nice house with, or not a nice house, but a backyard full of trees. Yeah. Full of color. It's probably about 10 degrees cooler because it's not in the, in the sun. And how does that make you feel, right? So now you want to build this house or put this addition on and you want to cut your trees down Think about what you're going to feel like in five years, right? Okay, so it's instant gratification now, but, you know, you're sitting on your back deck. You can't stand the heat because it's facing south, and now you got to put it up an awning where a tree naturally does that, and, and, and you get to sit and watch the squirrel, right? Man, it's, it's just, honestly, Manny, it's what do you want in the future? Do you want a cooler healthier more beautiful backyard or do you want a cold hard stone hot i go back to marketing ivan i go back to we're sold this idea i don't want to maintain the grass i don't want to maintain the shrubbery um i want just a place that i could get out of the house if i'm going nuts inside the house but you're right it's it's a park pavement Mm -hmm. just concrete um environment which has no purpose in my opinion because 
if you have these different types of trees, you're inviting nature to come in. You start seeing rabbits, you start seeing squirrels, you start seeing birds, all kinds of stuff. That becomes more tranquil sitting in that environment yeah. than sitting on a beautifully manicured walkway or pavers or concrete or whatever. So you're hundred percent right. Where explaining to the, <coughs> explaining to the client that what do you want five years from now? Because that's what you and it's not that it doesn't take that long. I mean, sure, a mature tree to get that two foot wide trunk, yeah, that's generational. You're yeah. not going to see that. Your kids may see it. But you can get a healthy tree in the next 10, 15 years where it's got a healthy canopy and it's going to be really serene for you to sit out there next to that tree. Especially if you do it right. I've got, like I said, where I live, um, one one level up of, of, of clay is, is, is porcelain. So I got to work really hard on my trees. Now, mind you, I do have access to, to everything I need. But I planted some red maples and they were a 70 millimeter um, DBH, so they're about you know um, construction talk about seventy uh, million. Uh, you got me on metric now. Two inches, okay, something like that. Pretty standard size tree. Yeah, you know, ten ten feet tall planted, yeah. and just with mulch and fertilizing both spring and fall. Uh, this has been three years, and they're about uh, probably about a ten centimeter DBH now. So about four, five four, inches, five inches. Yeah, yeah. What's the canopy like? It's not that big. It's it's full. Um, but what we found is, and, and I'm not really sure why, our secondary growth was was significantly more than our primary growth. Primary growth is, is the twigs and the leaves and all of that. And secondary growth is, is your, your wood, right? right. Um, man, I've got these great big fat stocks. And, and personally, I, th- I think it has a lot to do with what we're doing with the mulch, right? And the species that we're putting down. So in the fall, preparing for in winter. The fall. I, I mulch in the fall. Yeah. Where do you do you want to suggest where you get the that you, do you want to recommend where we should get our mulch? Obviously, from safe tree. That's get it from you guys, right? That's <laughs> from it. safe tree. If you can if you can get your mulch from a local arborist, by far the best stuff that you're going to get. Um, as long as they are responsible and you're not getting stuff with disease in it um, or, or or pests that can carry forth. Um, Ours is a little nicer because we do break it down. It's not chip because it comes out of their wood chippers, yeah. right? We reprocess ours through the tub grinder to break it down nice and fine and, and more um, fibrous than, than than chip. And, uh, yeah, it, it, it just breaks down faster. That you're, not, you're not bagging it, are you? No. Yeah. Oh, you're no, bagging ba- it too? Yeah, we built a – so with my mechanical background, we built a, a bagger last year. Uh, with the help of our mechanic, he did most of the work, but uh, it was quite the uh, it was quite the interesting <laughs> to set it all up. Man, we like we were like electrocuted and all kinds of shit. It was like it was fun, and then we built this conveyor and 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 yeah, keeping the conveyor straight was was uh, was an interesting task. But yeah, we built uh, we built a bagging system, and uh, this winter we're going to start for the first time uh, approaching garden centers and, and getting our product out there because. Honestly, there there isn't a product like it out there. There's there's nothing. There's so the nothing big players like are gonna not be fans of you. Well, the big player, you know what? Um, the big players will always be the big players. Yeah. Right. The the biggest one out there is, is Growbark, and I, I'm pretty sure they're owned by Walker Industries, which runs all of the dumps in Niagara. Right. <laughs> so, like, we're we're never gonna touch these guys. People are always gonna buy this mulch. Um, we're just giving a product that that we can be proud of and say, hey, this is this is good shit, and this is what you need. Right. Um, 
again, it, it'll take us a long time to, to get it out there. And, and, um, just through, I don't think it's going to take that long. Like, what are you guys selling per bag? I'm just curious because I'm ready to buy some bags right now. I so just, uh, I, I'm not sure. So last year was kind of our, our test year. We had, uh, one nursery, uh, specific, um, Niagara nurseries. They're on the corner of, uh, uh, 7th Street and and King Street in uh, in St. Catharines. I think that's 7th and King. Anyways, it doesn't matter. Uh, great guy, John's his name. And uh, he sold our story with it, you know, saying what it does. And, and it's made by Arborists. And, man, he couldn't keep bags going. And we were selling them for, I think they went for 7 bucks a piece. And we were selling last year for $45 a yard bulk. So we'll probably be a little more this year because we have a very limited supply. Yeah. And because it went so fast, like everybody who got our mulch raves. Like we don't have They've customers. We have growth, raving right? fans. They've seen the difference in their. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a beautiful color because everybody wants the color, right? That's, that's half the issue. But we let ours sit for a year and it, it's a real nice dark texture. Um, but it's, it's fine because we want it to break down. Not because we want to sell it every year but because your trees need it every year. I got a question for you since we're coming up to the holiday season. I am a huge fan of seeing twinkle lights on trees Ooh. being wrapped around the trunk and wrapped around the, the main branches. Me too. Is that hurting the tree at all? Does it hurt its feelings? Um, no. Okay. No. The, the Leaving it on year round? Leaving it on year hurts round it. hurts it. So as long as you're not, as long as you're not um, penetrating the tree at all, right? Uh, hang it on there, drape it on there all day long, right? Um, we can certainly enjoy that. Yeah. But leaving it on there is is basically choking it, girdling it, right? The tree, the tree needs to to expand and grow. It's like you see uh, you see a fence. You know, on the one side thing. of the tree, the tree will grow around the fence. But if you go all the way around the tree, it can no longer get all of the nutrients up and down through the xylem and phloem of the tree. And, and it'll ultimately girdle it or, or kill it. Is there, like, Ivan, can you put too many trees in your backyard? Uh, me, personally, no. No, can anybody, <laughs> because I'm a fan. Like, I'll, I'll just let you know that I've got, <clears throat> I've got one, two, three, four trees, and the backyard's probably 50 by 60. Put it this way. Before us was a forest, right? Yeah. Can you put too many trees in a forest? No, you can't. No. Ah, they'll... <laughs> they'll they regulate themselves, right? You'll have some trees that'll dominate over others. Um, you have different areas, you know, when, uh, and forests go through cycles too, right? They'll go through different species. When they get a lot of sun, they get big mature trees that, that start to die off. They'll get different species coming in, in the undergrowth, right? And then, um, you know, they, they go through these cycles. So can you plant too many trees? No, no. If anything, they'll actually grow properly. Because most of the trees, well, most of the trees that we plant get too much sun. They're not meant, trees are not meant to be a, a 10 foot trunk with this huge canopy. They're meant to be big, long poles with, with 80 foot trunks and a little canopy on top. So what's the, is it cranberry, not a cranberry tree or what's the tree that flowers in the spring? It's got small little flower petals on it. Small little flower petals. I don't. I don't even know the name of the tree. The reason I bring it up is because it was planted first. Mm -hmm. And then right next to it, probably about 15 feet away, silver maple was planted. Mm. But it's funny that this first tree that was there probably 10 years before that one 
is pushing the silver maple. You're seeing the trunk going off center. Hmm. And can that be fixed? No. It can't. It's just that tree is telling that tree that. Yeah. Even though so, the silver is taller, the silver's got to have 10 feet on top of that. Yeah. So it, it might be something to do with the sun. So you know how, you know how, how, how people say a, a tree grows towards the sun? Yeah. Well, it doesn't actually grow towards the sun. It's the, sh- the cells on the shaded side grow larger to try and collect more sunlight. And then it just starts to... Yeah, so it, 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 it makes that, that turn, right? So um, chances are it's not pushing it. It's, it's causing some kind of shade or something for it to, to grow that way. I'm just watching it. I just think it was kind of interesting. Yeah. Because the silver maple is a big tree. It's supposed to be a bigger tree. Yeah. And it's getting taller, but I'm seeing it go. But you're right. It's actually leaning towards the, the direction of the sun. Yeah. So I guess yeah. on the summer months where you get full sun, it starts to soak in more of that. And then it keeps on growing from that point. Yeah. And yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was just curious about that. Mm-hmm. Now, is there? I, I see sometimes, I'm not a fan of this. You'll get clients just putting the row of junipers around the whole perimeter which just creates a root mess, doesn't it? Or So what happens there is you're creating a monoculture, right? So monoculture is if one of those trees gets a disease, they're all getting it and they're all dying, right? So it's important to consider if you are, if you are planting trees intelligently, plant different species, native species. We've planted way too many invasive species, um, Norway maple being one of them that drives me. Can I say Japanese maple? Oh, yeah. Why does everybody want a Japanese maple tree? Well, because they don't grow real big and, and they look nice. Like, I, I'm, I'm an advocate for planting lots of different trees, not just native, but I prefer native, right? Because we do love Japanese maples. Like, there's a, man, there's got to be over 500 varieties of Japanese maples now. Like, it, it's crazy. But they are a nice tree. They're slow growing. You know, they don't get real tall in your lifetime at least and um yeah they're they're great the fall colors like on the uh, on some of them are are really blood red yeah yeah Yeah, yeah. um uh but if we plant different species one will have different flowers different times of the year different colors um and if if one gets a disease we're not going to wipe out everything right so uh ash trees Man, ash trees, what a, what a devastating thing that's happened, both our ash and our elm. But our ash trees, a lot of people planted those, municipalities especially, because they're fast-growing, you get yep. quick shade, um, they're good, strong trees, and, uh, and then we get the emerald ash borer, and we lose yeah. a whole neighborhood of trees, right? So What do they replace them with? Well... I don't know now, like they're, they're, they're getting a lot smarter now. We're going with some more native species. Um, but you know, I, I, I see a lot just replaced with uh, locust and, and Norway maple. Norway maple is a real popular one, right? They have the, the crimson King has the purple or red leaves, awful trees, awful trees. Really, huh? Oh, they're terrible. They're Why terrible. they just, they have, a, they have tons of issues. They're invasive. They have so many issues. Um, there's just so many other nicer trees, but you got to wait, right? It's just, and nobody really wants to wait, right? Nobody wants to wait. But, and, that, and that's the thing too, is, is if we do mulch and we do fertilize, man, we can make these things grow real fast. Like I got white oaks at my house and they're keeping up with my red maples. 
like white oaks are growing but almost as fast as my red white maples. oak doesn't grow that's a slow grower very slow grower wow yeah and you're contributing it to the mulch and the fertilizer and combination the fertilizer. of the two yeah really yeah mm-hmm. and then pruning okay so basically we should call you what once a year to come in assess take care of some pruning soil conditions things like that yeah, so it, it depends on your arborist. So because we're unregulated trade, there's actually very few arborists, right? Most, no, I don't, I want to be careful here um, because there are a lot of really good companies, but we're far and few between, right? Most are just tree cutters and and basically take a couple courses. And, and what people really want to look for is certification, right? Um, either an ISA certification, which, which can be actually be fairly easy to get. Um, the real one that you want to look for is triple four a, so that triple four, the four, four, four a, that's our Ontario college of trades code. Okay. Uh, or a triple four B is utility arborist. Okay. So if you look for a triple four a, um, this means they've served an apprenticeship and they've done everything. They've done all the schooling to know what they know now um, not saying that that's the be all end all, but it's just one tool that you can use. Um, having an arborist out once a year is definitely uh, a good idea. Honestly, for our customers, we're on more of like a two, three year cycle. Um, we're actually introducing this year uh, what we call a legacy program. So this is going to be an annual report where we come out and give you a report on your property. Um, it's it's more of a proactive approach where. Uh, we can make the recommendations on what you need and you'll get everything um, laid out. And, uh, and then we can basically write a prescription and, and come up with a game plan uh, to serve what goals you, you want to hit over the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years. What's your, what's your radius? Like how far west, north, east do you um, go? For, for tree removals and pruning, um, just the region, Niagara region. We stay in there. Um, we're not really interested in growing that part of our company. Um, honestly, Manny, it's just soul sucking, right? Yeah. Like I'm, I'm a climber. That's my background. And uh, just cutting down trees all the time, was, it was just it, it was killing me. So mm-hmm. this, this change that we're going through right now um, with our plant health care, we expand into um, Hamilton, Halton, and uh, Burlington. Okay. So that's kind of our, our area, less Halton yet, but Burlington, Hamilton, um, outside of the region is, is kind of where, where we are now. So what's the best thing, Ivan, that a contractor can say, that first statement that they can say to a client, that you're going to have a conversation about the trees in the backyard, the front yard, or the side, or whatever, right? What's the first and best thing that that GC can say to the client to get them on our path here, what we're talking about? Um. Well, it's first of all, it's important to know how much they care about their trees because as 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 much as we want to solve all the problems, we're going to have those people that just don't care. And that's the reality of it. Um, and you really you, well, you really want to be a salesman. You want to know what what the people want, because as a GC, you know that if you do push too hard, you're just going to get pushback, right? So let's say that they do care about their trees. Well, educate them. The first thing you got to do is tell them that there are things that we can put into place. There are things that we can do 
to protect these trees so that you, your kids, your grandkids can use them. Not to mention the resale value of your house. Yeah. Right? So sure lot. We can literally put a price on a tree. We can put a, we can monetize trees. We can give it a value. So uh, we're certified to do that. We've done training and we've taken courses to do that. Um, we can evaluate the actual cost of a tree. This comes into play actually um, a lot where uh, if a neighbor, if there's a neighbor dispute and the neighbors cut it down or whatever, we can put a value on that tree on, on the loss, the monetary loss of that tree. Um, there's, there's one spot in, in um, specifically, I, I can't say too much because it's, it's active, but there's a, a, a shoreline issue. And customers of ours are losing their shoreline because of something somebody else has done along the lake. And so we're going in there proactively and evaluating the cost of these trees. So if, when they fall into the lake, they, they are ha- going to fall. There's no salvaging there. It's, it's just a matter of time. Uh, and unless, unless there's, unless there's, Barriers put into place. So for you're retaining you're appraising loss. the loss of that value there. Exactly. I guess it, it it brings me up the rules, right? Because you also urban environments, subdivision environments, or what have you. You've got trees that are planted whatever distance to the fence line, but the canopy is growing over to the other side to the neighbor's lot. Yeah, they may not be as interested in the tree as you are. What rules are in play that are? What can they do or can't do? Like, can they come along and start? cutting things down on their side right at the property line? So our experience is there's not a lot in writing. It's a civil matter, and it's basically, excuse me, it's basically what you're going to be able to prove in court. So historically, what we've seen is anything on your side of the property is yours as long as, so you can cut it back to the property line, as long as you're not affecting the health of the tree, right? Okay. So skinning the tree up one side is going to affect the health of the tree, right? Making improper pruning cuts is going to affect the health of the tree. Cutting the roots. A lot of people don't think of underground, Yeah. right? So if, if a neighbor owns a tree and the roots are going into your side and you dig your foundation and it kills the tree... Then it becomes a civil matter, and you have to prove that that action of theirs caused the death of that tree. And which chances is are, it's, right? it's fairly easy to prove because it's it goes back to the very beginning of this whole conversation that we've had. Is just people automatically dismiss the tree because of the fear of the roots damaging the home. Yeah, and the home has more value than the tree. Yeah, in their eyes, which I'll argue that point. Yeah, because what the tree does for you mentally, we haven't even talked about oh, any of that buddy, stuff, right? Like we can we can talk about that one. Um, well, first of all, it creates the air that you breathe, <laughs> yeah. right? Like That's fact, right? And and <laughs> one large tree, one mature tree is is going to create a lot more oxygen than and than hundreds of little of little trees, right? Um, now, there's all kinds of different avenues we can go down with that and there's all kinds of discussions but the thing is is there is research out there and when when everybody's talking right now especially like everybody's very loud about mental health mental health is is huge right now if you're feeling shitty 
where's a great place to go that calms you down? You're going to go to a conservation area and you're going to walk through the forest, right? Um, there's actually a guy that I respect a lot. His name is John Gathright, and he's Canadian originally. He was, he's from Vancouver. He lives in Japan now, and he has a, a place called uh, Treehab, and he's got a TED Talk. I said, man, totally. I want to like, check it out. Have yeah. some have some tissues because like, I cried like a baby. Wow. I saw this guy at a at a conference, and and I got to corner him in a in a dark alley and uh, and and steal him for about forty minutes. And man, he like I was I was I was a baby. And uh, so what he does is he quit his job, very successful man, a TV personality. Um, he quit it and went back to school to get a PhD just to prove that trees um, Im- improve people's mental health. First person ever to do it, as far as we know. Hmm. And what he does now is he takes people with disabilities and they climb trees. Right? So he'll take kids that will never walk kids that have all types of different disabilities and he puts them up in the trees since 1991 mississauga hardware centers mhci or saga tools as the cool kids call it has been a trusted name in the construction supply industry serving the greater toronto area as a family founded owned and operated company they take pride in their reputation as one of the most respected construction supply providers in the gta At MHCI, they stand out for their commitment to fast and efficient service. Their team of friendly, courteous, and knowledgeable staff is available to assist you with any questions you may have. They understand the importance of product knowledge and strive to provide an unsurpassed level of expertise to their valued customers. They take pride in their ability to purchase large volumes of products directly from manufacturers worldwide. This enables them to pass on substantial savings to their customers. Whether you're embarking on a do-it-yourself project, constructing a multi-million dollar building or involved in city infrastructure development. Their products and prices remain highly competitive within the industry. Order online at www.mississaugahardware.com or better yet, go and visit them in person and always check out what's happening on their social at Mississauga Hardware Center with C-E-N-T-R-E. Yeah, so he he actually started. Um, I, I'm not going to tell his story. No, no, but uh, man, sure. you got it. John Gathright. Yeah, yeah so he's, he's, con- he's connecting the value. That's why I will always argue that the tree has more value than the home. Yeah, man. I'm just saying that, like, you just plan for this backyard or front yard. Yeah, like I guess it's a European mentality that what they normally do in the back, they do in the front. Yeah, because the sun. <laughs> Depending on you know the the position of the home, yeah, you might want to enjoy that morning sunlight in the front of the house or in the back of the house or reverse during the evening hours, yeah. right? So you're hundred. I've always looked at it that way. So yeah. I've always had a problem. It's always been a discussion. It's not a dismissal. Yeah, you can't just say we're going to cut this down because we want to make the home bigger. Well, there's a lot of bylaws in place now. Um, unfortunately, not much in, in Niagara yet. Um, it's, it's getting there, and, and I hope it happens soon. But, you know, everybody's always up in arms, like uh, the city of Burlington, the, you know, the, the restrictions they put on cutting trees. Man, it's great. It's great. So you got to jump through hoops, as you should, right? you got to jump through hoops. And then you got to plant trees to place it, as you should, right? It's, uh, there's a lot of... There's a lot of restrictions and it makes it really hard for contractors. I get it. But if without those, it just gets taken advantage of. Right. And then like, like Niagara right now, everybody's just cutting trees everywhere. Right. And, and we're really fighting back a lot. 
I respect know? the city for putting the hoarding to protect what's already there when mm. we're constructing things, right? But I'm also very respectful of city officials that come by and notice that we may have moved the hoarding just to get in, yeah. but we're still being conscious of that tree yeah. or that shrub or whatever it is, and we're going to put the hoarding back. You know, put, put mulch down. It's a great... So a lot of the hoarding is to protect the surface. Put mulch down, it'll displace the weight, it's right? A idea, yeah. You know, if you do have to move it, put the mulch down. It's like putting mats down to yeah. get to get a skid steer into the backyard. Yeah, yeah. Put the mulch down, displace it, and it'll stop the soil compaction. And and you're actually doing good at the same time. You know, put it down good and thick. You know, three four inches. Uh, you don't want to leave it that thick. You know, ideally you're only a couple inches, two three. But just pull back when you're done. Right. Yeah. You're just protecting it during the pro process of the construction. Yeah. And then, you know, it, it, and the other thing I'd love, I, I'd like to mention too, is we get a lot of people that put in pools, right? <laughs> you're on and like same page. It's the same thing. They pool automatically dismisses trees. Oh man. It's brutal. And it drives me crazy. It's brutal. So we, um, we've got a bit of a reputation where we are for turning down work. Um, we're, we're really good at cutting down trees. Um, but we, we turn down probably 40% of our work and, and it sucks. It hits us hard. It's, it's restricted us from growing a lot. Is it sad that someone else is going to come in and just do it? Uh, yeah. Well, you, you'll drive by the next week and it'll be you'll, fresh you'll stump. Find, yeah. But Hey man, I can sleep at night. I can sleep at night saying that, that I didn't do it. Right. And the biggest, the, one of the most common ones I get is keys in my pool. I hate cleaning up all of the shit in my pool that I, I had, uh, I had a gentleman uh, in Vineland tell me his tree was a pollutant. Yeah. So the tree was a pollutant. Yeah, it was a pollutant. I think you're the, the pollutant, yeah, right? right? That's basically it. Here's the thing. A lot of the time, keys, walnuts, walnuts is a big one. Walnuts falling on their head, dent in the roof of the car. The reason they're producing so many of them is because they're stressed. It's a stress reaction. They're trying to reproduce. They think they're dying. They're reproducing. Mm. The healthier your tree is, the less keys, the less walnuts it will. It'll always still have keys, walnuts, whatever the, the, the fruiting body is. But the healthier it is, the less it'll have. Most of the time, it's a stress reaction when there's a high volume. So let's get rid of the people then. <laughs> as simple as that right. man like, uh, I, I, <laughs> I i like i like a nice house i like infrastructure i really balance. do just have the two and and that's it is there is a balance there is a balance and we got to stop dismissing it we really do because uh, a time will come and and honestly in canada it's so bad because we have an abundance of trees it's 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 so bad um there's gonna come a time where we're like some of these european countries and we're going Fuck man, we got no trees left. I know. You know, it's like it's like over hunting. You know, I'm a hunter myself. I'm a respectful hunter. I do it responsibly. It, it's important. Like, I live I live next to the short hills, and as an arborist, I walk through the short hills and I see everything up to seven feet eaten because our deer population is crazy, right? Um, there's no wolves or cougars that are at least not enough of them. Uh, conversation for another day um that are gonna that are gonna knock these things down right and, and we gotta we gotta do we gotta do the same thing right i got a question for you because uh, i've seen this not too often but i've never had the conversation yet um 
if you were to build a deck and it's extending around a tree and you purposely want to leave a hole to let that tree grow now, what should you factor in? The growth of the tree. Just be prepared to continue making the hole bigger. So when you put your 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 joists in or, or whatever, right, the the structure part, you know, when, when you have a two by eight, four inches from the tree, then you're screwed. In about five years. Yeah, but if you put your two by eights way back or two by tens or whatever way back and you leave your boards on top long you can you can always just take your your jigsaw and yep. continue making bigger okay you don't like the gap fine put some rubber in there right you want to keep stuff from touching the bark if at all possible but just keep take your jigsaw and cut it back you know every four years leave just a couple be aware inches. of it at some point yeah again it's planning yeah. If you plan it properly, like I've seen some people build some really cool tree houses where they build on trees and the trees live fine, right? They're anchoring right to the tree. Anchoring right to the tree, right? There's you, no risk of damaging the tree by doing that? Well, there is, but if you counteract that, then you're fine, right? And when I say counteract, I mean uh, you're supplying it with the building blocks it needs to repair that wound, right? So like what would you put on there? Well, you would fertilize and mulch. Oh, so you're just feeding. Okay, so you're taking. Yeah. So it's not necessarily the actual, because obviously you're using some sort of mechanical fastener to get anchored to it. Yeah. So depending on what they've done, I've, I've seen a lot of people just, just brace right up against the tree, right? Okay. Or, or they'll build something that hangs from the tree, right? Where strapping, you can always adjust. But there, there's always a way. Manny, we've, seen, we've seen a bunch of artists that are being conscious of the tree yeah. and also the structure that they're building yeah but it's designed in a way and it's thought in a way to make it last a very long time yeah that's done on purpose yeah yeah, yeah. and you know it, and it's not like trees are a renewable resource at the end of the day they really are but we don't want to take advantage of that like man i got some beautiful black walnut i'm sure some of your guys will hit me up after this like and i encourage them to i got a, I got a black walnut log sitting in our yard right now it's got to be like 15 feet long, beautiful straight trunk. And I bet you it's a 40 inch diameter. Wow. It's a beautiful log. I'm not going to do anything with it. No, it's there's somebody it's, it's a waste, right? There's, sure. there's some guy listening to this right now. Just like, <laughs> I got to call this right? guy. <laughs> I got to get him on, on board. I want la one last yeah. question before we get into the 10 questions. I want to just ask you if I were to build, is it possible to build and use two trees to create a canopy without the canopy? Make the tree, I guess, go with the distance of an archway. Do you know what I mean? I want to build something in the middle of something, mm -hmm. but I want two trees creating an archway. What are the trees? Yeah, so the, the, the archway will just be the canopy over top. You're not going to Yeah, but it. I want to kind of focus the canopy just over the archway. So I want it, I guess. Um, yes, you can. You can. You can train trees. That's where I'm going with it. It takes a long time. You have to be so. Worn. It's serious pruning and serious yeah. education. Yes, and you have to be very patient, very patient. Um, depending on the species of the tree, you wouldn't do it with a willow, no problem. Okay, you know we can do that with a willow. We've we've actually um, there's there's a lot of people that do this. So they'll plant you you basically cut a willow limb off at six feet, put some root uh, um, root stimulator on it, stick it in the ground. Keep it wet, it'll grow. Yeah. So you can 
put these in circles and train them and build a structure out of them, a living structure, right? So you can train trees, you can tie them. I'm doing one at my house right now with, uh, with Rush and Olive. I'm building a hedgerow. I just bend them over, tie them, and they'll start to, to grow that way, right? Um, yeah, you can, so you you can, can really get graft, creative. You can, so you can, you can do things, but you have, it's, it's a lot of work. It's patience. Patience and auto work, right? Yeah. I wouldn't say, I'd say it's more patience than it is. <laughs> but how is it in, I guess, Canada with our seasons and the extreme winters? You got to be, they're dormant at that point. Yeah, yeah. So all honesty, it's, it's, it's right species for the right purpose, right? Right species in the right location. When we're planting, not just any tree can go in any soil, not any tree can go in any condition, Right. Um, you're not going to plant a Japanese maple in the Muskokas, right? Um, in, in Niagara, we can, we can grow pretty well anything, but um, it's, it's, it's all in what you want to do and what you want to accomplish. It's all planning. It's all planning. You just got to assess, I guess, the location at first, the earth, what's here, yeah, what's absolutely. happening, how much do you want to put here, and what you, what, I guess you're, picture this 10, 20 years from now. Yeah. Don't picture it when we're finished and we're walking out of here with the wheelbarrow. Absolutely, or a hundred years. Yeah, or even that years. further as well right? too. Depending on on how committed you are, you know. There's uh, there's there's guys. I just met a, a guy, um, a gentleman, awesome, amazing arborist, uh, Brian Sayers. He's in Burlington. Uh, he used to own Tree Doctors in New York, uh, one of the fastest growing uh, tree companies. Um, and and he's he's retired now. Very intelligent guy, and he collects seeds and grows trees from um, trees that who have inspired writers. Uh, right? So if you, if you read a book and, and that book or, or whatever has been inspired um, by a tree, he'll grow trees from that specific tree. Yeah, really cool. Right? Now that's patience. I love that um, I, I did some work with Thermary and they had their 20th anniversary in Estonia. And uh, people, a lot of people were being invited. There was only two Canadians invited. I was one of them. And a very good friend of mine that I met through the company, he was a sales rep. He was my other Canadian friend. Everybody else was from around the world. But to gain entry into this, this uh, anniversary edition that they were having in Estonia, you had to send in a picture of a tree mm-hmm. and then the meaning behind that tree. So I actually sent a picture of that sunburst locust. And yeah. I just said, here, I actually planted this thing. It's grown. I've been taking care of this tree yeah. and it's thriving. It's doing really well. And they did a little collage presentation where all the photos were being presented to everybody that was there. It was a small yeah. group of people. It was like less than 50 people from around the world. Mm-hmm. And I just, there was such love for trees at that event. That's what I liked about it. Yeah. And, and you know what? Most people do. Most people really love trees. Um, a lot of people are just greedy. It still sounds. My neighbor lost his tree uh, during, I think, last year's, uh, there was a storm, and you heard that crack. Oh, yeah. I've heard that crack a few times, and it split right down and then went onto the neighbors, and then he, yeah. he had to chop it down at that yeah. point. And it was such a shame because you're 100% right where – 20 years, 100 years from now, I'd rather look at a backyard that's full of greenery, canopies, shrubs, small, big, what have you, than paved, as much as I love pavers or flagstone or whatever, and then all you're going to see is whatever color the pressure-treated fence line is all about. Yeah. That's yeah. all you're going to see over and over. We bought, uh, we were fortunate enough to get into the market when we were a little younger, and we've got a 10-acre lot 
Um, it was basically hayfield when we bought it. Mm-hmm. And first thing I did was uh, I bought a 20 ton excavator, a, a relic. And uh, it took me three years. I dug a pond. I got about an acre worth of water. Wow. Uh, oh, yeah, stocked. I got five pound large mouth now. But wow. I'm, uh, I'm about 100 and somewhere between 160 and 180 trees in so far in, in eight years. So best time to plant a tree is yesterday. Yeah. You know? and, 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 and I know I'll never get to enjoy them as, uh, the, way they're, the way they should be. But my kids will. Right, my grandkids. So. Ivan, right, it's been a pleasure, man. Yeah, Honestly, man. I can continue. I got to have you back. We got to talk some more, but this is absolutely great. And then I just want to let everybody know to reach you, uh, SafeTree online. So www.safetree.ca, 289-650-1775. And then his email is info at safetree.ca. And on IG, it's LTD, And then on Facebook, is SafeTree Professional Tree Care. 10 questions of construction. Ready? Sure. What everyday sound brings you joy? Everyday sound, probably just the the quietness and the sound of nature. What's your favorite beverage? Hmm. Ooh, that's a tough one. Honestly, um, it's awful. It's probably Diet Coke. I haven't had a pop in forever. Me neither. Like, it's like... Uh, it's a kid thing. Yeah, yeah. But uh, water, usually. <laughs> what's your least favorite tool my least favorite tool probably a tape measure <laughs> <laughs> what turns you on creatively creatively um probably probably uh climbing being in a tree and and, and pruning it what word or concept do you find overused these days Word or concept overused? Hmm. That's a good one too. I would say uh, attention to detail. That's a good one. I think uh, I just don't one. think it's 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 actually used like people say it. I don't think they know what it means. Right? Yeah. What's your favorite curse word? Um. Ooh. Okay. So I do. I got a minute. Yeah. Of course you do. I want. I want to clarify this one. So. Um, everybody thinks it's a curse word, but it's not. And that would be pussy. That's not a curse word. It has nothing to do with the female anatomy. Yeah. At all. It's actually for, uh, short for the word pusillanimous. So it's P-U-S-I, not P-U-S-S-Y. So, yeah, yeah. You got to look it up. Pusillanimous (laughs) is, is the act of being a coward. So when you say don't be a pussy, you're saying quit being a coward. What's the origin of it? English? Uh, honestly, I don't know. That's interesting. Pusillanimous. I'm going to look yeah. it up. That's a good one. What's yeah. your favorite vehicle in the entire world? Ooh. Um, one that I have or one I want? Anything. Doesn't matter. I've got two. One I own already, and that's a Ford Excursion. It was, uh, it was a really hard truck to find. Um, dream car would probably be a Maserati MC20. Zero to 60 in 2.8 seconds. Jeez. Yeah, it's a beauty. What do you miss from your childhood? What do I miss from my childhood? Um, probably lack of responsibility. Yeah, if more adults were more childlike, I think it would yeah. be a better place. If you could master a skill outside of your own expertise, what would it be? Hmm. 
skill outside of my expertise. I think some kind of academia, you know, um, I, I really admire scientists. I really admire like working with Vineland research and, and seeing these people and, and the way they talk, like, man, I, I could never do that, but I, I admire them and their intelligence. So I would say some, some type of academia, some, some type of research for sure. Where, where are they located? They're in Vineland right at the end of Victoria Avenue. So Victoria Avenue dead ends at the lake, basically. They're on the le left-hand side. They're, uh, what a place, man. Like, they are, they're incredible people. They have access to some of the best scientific, when it comes to plants, mm -hmm. some of the best scientific methods in the world. Like, they are, they're, they're world We should reach out. out to them, see if they want to come on the show. I think it'd more. be great. Yeah. I think it'd be great. Um, I'm not going to name drop, but no. uh, after I can, I can tell you who to reach out to, but. Yeah, I think it would be. I think it'd be fantastic to have awesome. some of them on. Last question: If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at those pearly gates? Damn, good <laughs> job, brother. <laughs> <laughs> so all he or she has to say, man, Ivan, absolute pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so hey, much thank for you. sharing so much knowledge here. And I think um, more and more contractors should be aware of having a conversation about trees. Yeah, and uh, anybody wants to reach out at any time, you know, hey, I'm. Uh, I'm open for discussion for yeah, sure. All right. Thanks so much, man. Thank really you. Really appreciate it. All right. We're out of here, Angelina.